this opportunity to gather. Thanks for this opportunity to hear from you. Uh, thanks for this opportunity for you to teach us by your Holy Spirit. I pray that we'll be open to what you have to say and what you have to reveal to us tonight. God, we gather to hear from you. We gather with an expectation that, God, you speak, an expectation that you're a God who changes lives. God, I pray that you would infuse us with hope tonight. And I pray specifically for hope into our hearts, into our spirits. I pray, God, that we would be awakened and revived tonight. Give you thanks. ask you to have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 6 and verse, I'll tell you in a second. Exodus chapter 6. Yeah, we're going to be looking at Moses uh, still talking to the children of Israel over here, talking to them about what's going to happen, trying to encourage them. So I want to take a moment to look at that. As you turn to Exodus chapter 6, just want to remind you we have an interactive feature for Bible study through a website at www.speakpipe.com, speakpipe com slash Monday Night Bible Study, all one word, and button to toggle there, and you can leave us a voicemail message. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question, comment, just want to say hi, uh, whatever it is, uh, we'd love to hear from you, and you're more than welcome to leave us a message. We'll endeavor to play it at our next meeting. So do it. Exodus chapter 6, in the volunteer to read verse 9. Exodus 6, 9. Right. So here we have Moses uh, in the midst of meeting with Pharaoh and in the midst of the deliverance of Israel from slavery in Egypt. And it was last week, I believe, I was talking just about how they were there a really long time. Uh, we, we were discussing like, our history as a nation uh, for here in the United States. And our history as a nation uh, really doesn't go back as far as, as long as the Israelites were in bondage in Egypt. Uh, it was just a really long time. Generation after generation of people had grown up in Egypt and had grown up as slaves. That was just the nature of their existence, nature of their lives. And so Moses, who had this word uh, he, that he received from God, at the uh, bush that wasn't consumed by the fire. God spoke to him. And, uh, and so he, he and Aaron had brought the word that God spoke to the Israelites and told them about it. Now, <clears throat> when he first told them about it, they were very excited. Somebody look at Exodus 4.31. Exodus 4.31. All right, so they were pretty excited back in Exodus chapter 4 about what God was going to do. They are pretty excited to hear that God cared about them. They are pretty excited to hear that God remembered them and that knew that, that they needed deliverance. They are pretty excited to hear they had sent Moses and Aaron 
and that they were going to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians. They were really excited about it, and they, they worshiped God for it. It was good, right? Well, two chapters later, in Exodus chapter 6, Moses goes back to them. Now, this is after, though, he had already gone to Pharaoh, and he'd done a few things, a few miracles, and Pharaoh's magicians had matched the miracles, and all these things had happened, and the only result so far of Moses interceding on behalf of the people of Israel is that Pharaoh had, had increased their workload and increased the expectations over them. So things hadn't gotten better, they had gotten worse. Okay, that was the perspective of the, of the Israelites, is that since Moses showed up, and since he started meddling in their affairs with Pharaoh, their, somehow their, their situation was now getting worse than it was before. And their work was harder than it was before. And the expectations and demands on them were more than they had been before. And so now Moses came back to him and said, hey, good news. Uh, we're, you know, we're still pressing forward. God's still moving. We got, we got this great thing going on. So, uh, yeah. And, and you notice the difference in the reaction this time? Right? A little bit of difference. First time, I'm excited. We're excited. We're bowing our heads. We're worshiping. We're, we're with you 100% Moses. Second time, he shows up. Um, yeah. They wouldn't even listen. They were unwilling to listen to what God was saying through Moses. Unwilling. And so I want you to, um, to think about this, that this was supposed to revive them. In other words, God saw that right, back in Exodus 4, excited, deliverance, we're going to get you out of here. God sees your, your anguish. God sees what's going on in your life. He's going to get you out of here. Yeah, we're excited. Yes, all right. All right, so the process of deliverance begins. That's what begins here. Okay, this was the process. Moses goes to Pharaoh. Aaron goes to Pharaoh. This process begins. But before things get better, what do they get? Worse. Worse. Now, this is not, and I want you to understand this, this is not uncommon. This is not uncommon. Things get worse before they get better, right? And that is not uncommon spiritually at all. I've seen that many, many times where I'm praying for somebody, let's say for healing, and if they're not instantaneously healed when I'm praying for them, things may get worse before they get better. Sometimes when I'm praying for somebody for deliverance, things may get worse before they get better. Sometimes when I'm working with somebody for uh, some type of discipleship issue, something that, that they're struggling with or something that they're trying to, to get through, things may get worse before they get better. And that's just how it is. Now, I'd love to tell you it's always going to be things just miraculously get better like that. And I want you to think about the children of Israel in Egypt. I want you to think about Moses and, and Aaron. And I want you to think about the fact that God spoke to him and said, you're going to be delivered. He started the process, and what happened? Things got worse. Now, here's where our, our part in this comes in. Here's where this is God's word to us. All right? It's not just a historical thing. It's not just, oh, this happened in the Old Testament. It's not just, oh, 
this is just between God and the children of Israel. No, this is between God and us, too. Because there's moments in our lives, there's times in our life where God speaks something over us and it doesn't happen instantaneously. It just doesn't. Lots of things happen through process in our lives. Even things that God does happen through process. Because process is an organic way of going about life. Right? And God is all about our lives. He made us. He breathed his, his breath into us. And we became a living soul. And so he's all about the process of life in us. He is. And so the fact that he chooses to do things, miraculous things, powerful things, awesome things in our life through a process shouldn't be that surprising to us because he's a God of life. He's a God of organic life in us. And that's how we change most of the time. It just is. And looking back and getting perspective on our lives and you look at yourself and how God brings about deliverance, sometimes you have to see it in retrospect because it was a process that, that he brought you through that brought you to the place where you're at now. But it's no less miraculous. And how do you know that? Well, look at other people you know. And, and I'm not saying to compare yourself to them to make yourself feel better. I'm just saying compare yourself to people that live without hope. Compare yourself to people that live without that connection with God. Compare yourself to people that, that just don't have that kind of a process going on in their life. And, and, and see that, that a miraculous thing has happened in you. Because you don't see that same miraculous thing happening in everybody. Because it doesn't. It just doesn't. And no matter how uh, frustrated we get sometimes about how long it's taken, or how frustrated we get sometimes about you know, that, that whole thing about two steps forward, one step back, you know what I'm talking about? That can be really frustrating. Well, right, but it's still two steps forward. And it's still a miraculous process that God brings us through. You know, I even think about things, physical things like that. I think about things that changes that have taken place in me. I was just thinking about that today. I, I was doing something and I had a twinge in my back. And it reminded me of living my life just it with, with my lower back just cramped up all the time. It reminded me that I used to have issues with that, with sitting down or driving in a car or I had issues laying down. It just reminded me. Having that little twinge reminded me of those days. And you know what? I don't think of those days now because I don't feel that anymore. I don't have that, that issue anymore when I drive. or I don't have that issue when I'm laying down. I'm not woken up in the middle of the night by that issue anymore. Why? Well, because a work was done in my back. And it wasn't just in a moment. It wasn't in a blink of an eye. It took place over time. And it took place over effort. And over what I believed to have been wisdom that, that people brought into my life. And, and God's hand of healing on me. And after a certain amount of time, it wasn't there anymore. But I can see that through the retrospect of looking back at where I came from. And maybe not in the middle of the process. Do you understand what I'm saying? And there's lots of things like that in our lives. 
Lots of things that take place like that. And, and the physical stuff is easier for me to see sometimes than some of the spiritual stuff that takes place. But they're all just as powerful as each other. And so Israel is in the midst of that. See, this was supposed to revive them. This was supposed to comfort them, these words of, of Moses. It was supposed to encourage them. That's why he was sharing it with them. He was encouraging. He was, he was reviving. He was bringing comfort. It was supposed to activate faith and hope in their lives. That's what it was supposed to do. And what happened was, if you read the verse, instead of activating faith and hope, and instead of bringing you know, revival and comfort and encouragement, they didn't even listen. They were deaf to what Moses and Aaron were saying to them. It didn't accomplish what it was supposed to accomplish. Not because there wasn't enough power in their words. It wasn't because it wasn't the truth. It wasn't because it wasn't the very word of God being spoken into these people. That, that's not what happened. The, the blockage wasn't that God wasn't speaking. The blockage wasn't that God wasn't bringing hope and life to them. The blockage wasn't that God wasn't meeting them in their point of need because he was. And the process of deliverance was still going on. And he's trying to encourage them in that process. The issue was them. The issue was the people of Israel. The people, that they, they were unable, they had an inability to maintain, maintain. I want you to hear that, maintain their hope. They just let it go. Just let it go. They, they had hope when they heard the words the first time. They worshiped God. They were excited. But then their burdens increased. Their workload increased. The expectations over them increased. And they allowed that hope to go. They just did. And there it went. And that state of affairs of them losing their hope, that state of affairs, made them deaf to God and what he had to say to them. Now, this is a human condition. This is. And then when I, when I say maintenance, I want you to understand that is an active role on your part to maintain hope in your life. That's on you. And you can have people around you encouraging you, but if you don't have any hope and you're not maintaining the hope that, that maybe you had at one time, you're deaf to that. God could be using people all around you to try to encourage you, try to speak life in you, to try, try to speak some kind of hope into you. Like Moses and Aaron were speaking into these people, but they were deaf to it. They couldn't hear it. They weren't listening to them. Hope was gone. And so they, they didn't respond. They didn't give back to these words like they did the first time. Proverbs 13, 12. Anybody want to read that? Proverbs 13, 12.
All right. Uh, the reason I had, the reason I want to read that is there's the wisest man who ever lived. <laughs> Thank you for reading that, Patrick. Yes. And, and he said this. He said, hope deferred. It makes your heart sick. And so I wanted to, to read that, and I wanted to say that because I'm not judging you. I'm not judging the, the children of Israel either. I'm not even judging me. I'm just telling you that this condition, when we allow it, when we don't do anything to maintain the hope that God puts in us, we don't do anything to exercise the hope that God has given us, when we allow our emotions and we allow our circumstances to run away with our lives, we become deaf to God. And if any of you have ever experienced this, this is a no-brainer, and you're probably wondering why I'm spending so much time on it. Because once you've been there, once you have experienced what they experienced here, when your circumstances take over, when you get caught up in those kind of things in your life, you hear less and less until you're functionally deaf when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Again, I'm not judging anything. All I'm saying is this is how it works. And so they were functionally deaf. They had lost hope. In fact, it says they had lost all hope. And when you look at the, the meaning of that, it refers to what we would term an extreme depression. I mean, if you lose all hope, think about that. That, that refers to an extreme de depression. And some of your Bibles, if you have an older Bible, the phrase they use is anguish of spirit. Which literally translated, literally translated means shortness of breath. Unable to catch your breath is what it refers to. And it refers to carrying burdens. It's a picture of someone that is oppressed by their burdens. They're, they're just so tired, so worn out, so oppressed, unable to go any further, out of breath, can't catch their breath, and they're just done. Just done. It is an anguish of spirit, a trouble of mind, and a grief of heart. That's what it describes. And that's where they were at. And the reason that they were there was because their circumstances dictated their reality. You see, they had a word. They had a word from Moses and Aaron, a word that they had received prior, a word that they had rejoiced in, and a word that they had worshipped God for. They had received that word. They had a word. But their circumstances changed. You see, when they received the word, their circumstances were tolerable. They were used to them. It was the norm. 
It was how they normally lived. And so in the midst of it, even though it was still, they were in slavery, they were in bondage, even though they were still living in such a way, it, it was what they were used to. And so they were able to receive that word. And it was like, yes, amen. I'm going to worship you, God. That's awesome. I can't wait for this deliverance. This is great. I, I thank you for seeing us. Thank you for seeing our affliction. Thank you for sending Moses and Aaron. Thank you for this opportunity to get free. Thank you, God, for your deliverance. Thank you. We're going to worship you. And they began to worship him. And it was awesome. Two chapters later, though, their circumstances had changed. More work, more expectation, more burden. And they were living in an anguish of spirit, a trouble of mind, and a grief of heart because their circumstances changed. Circumstances change. You know that? No, I mean, do you know that? Do you realize that? That circumstances change, they just do. Life changes. There are ebbs and there are flows and there are, are times that are awesome and there are times not so awesome. Times where everything goes right, times where things don't go right. You know, I, I always put this in terms of stuff that bothers me, like a car. You know, you, I get a problem with one of the cars, fix it. Well, then something else breaks. Going to fix that, all right, well, something else breaks. All right, I'll fix that. But I might go for nine months where nothing breaks, right? But when three things break all in the same week, and every time I fix one, the other one breaks, all right? Something happened in my circumstance there. If we allow those circumstances to dictate to us God's word, to dictate to us who we are, to dictate to us who he is, to dictate to us what the definition of our life is, who we are and where God is taking us. If we allow those circumstances to dictate to us, to, that, to us, we are going to be tossed to and fro, tossed over and around, and we are never, ever going to be able to settle our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. Ever. Never. Because however it goes, great times, oh, Great. Love you, Jesus. Everything's awesome. Hard times. Where are you, God? Well, we may ask that question, but it better be a, I love you, Jesus. You follow me? You see, our circumstances are going to change. But what doesn't change is God, his word, and what he has for us, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of how we feel, regardless of, of what's going on around us. He's not changing. You see, they had been elated. They were filled with hope in Exodus 4, but they had become very chilled at this point by their circumstances. Cold. They had been disappointed. Because the only result Moses brought to them was increased misery. That was it. And here he is again telling them, oh, it's going to be good, don't worry. 
He won't even listen to him this time. The change of circumstances. The change of circumstances. Leads us. If we allow it. To a place of being out of breath. Tired. Beaten. Downtrodden. Overburdened. Weighed down. Face down. Can't get up. And the problem with that is we become deaf to God and His Word. We become blind to the moving of the Holy Spirit. We refuse to listen. And we wallow in whatever our brain can come up with. Which is usually not so good. And the problem also with us being unwilling to listen is that it makes us deaf to dreamers and visionaries too. And we need visionaries. And we need to listen to them. We need them. We need the dreamers of this world to speak to us sometimes. The visionaries of this world to speak to us sometimes. Because they see things that we don't see, especially, especially when we're under some circumstances that are hard or difficult. God sends the visionary and he sends the prophet to us in those times. To be able to hear that word, to be able to hear that vision, to be able to hear that hope is important, especially in those times. It's easy to rejoice when, when everything's okay in the status quo. That's easy. That's just good news. All right. Good. Love you, Jesus. But when things are hard and circumstances have changed and we're overburdened and we're face down, then it's difficult. Difficult. But that's when we need it the most. That's when God sends the, the, the visionary to us. That's when God sends the dreamer, the prophet to us and says, hey, here's what's going on. Here's what's going to happen. That's when you need to hear it. That's when we need to hear it. That's when we need to be lifted up out of that. That's why I sent them. I mean, think about Israel under oppression. Many, many years later and, and under the, the thumb of the Romans, who did he send? He sent Jesus. He sent John the Baptist, then he sent Jesus, but a lot of people couldn't hear Jesus. They didn't listen to him. Didn't have that kind of hope. He didn't fit the bill. They were looking for something else. Whatever. But that was God's word. That was God's provision. That was God's hope, God's vision. There it was. Couldn't see it. Could not see it. And whatever our, our situation is, whatever you find yourself in, and I want you to think about this, and, you know, whatever it is, wherever it is, that circumstance has changed, or that circumstance isn't what you thought it was going to be, or that circumstance isn't where it, what you would have chosen. Right, I get that. Well, there's a word. There's a vision. There's a hope that God sends your way. If you could only hear it. If you'd only listen. You know, people say, hey, Andy, I, I believed it before, but, you know, here I am back again. Yeah, right. 
Believe it again. Believe it again. Well, I thought God was going to do X, Y, or Z. Yeah, well, he didn't. Get over it. Or he may have done X, Y, or Z. You just can't see it yet. Get over it. Because God doesn't perform according to Hoyle, whatever your according to Hoyle rule book says, doesn't mean he didn't do it. And so we, we need to listen for those voices. We need to listen for that voice of hope. We need to listen for that visionary. Especially in the dark times, especially in the times of, of bad circumstance. Put an ear out for that and listen. Hear it. Hear it. You know, God has spoke to him. He said this, I want you as my people. Here's what God just spoke to the children of Israel, ready? This is Moses, Moses and Aaron, telling them. This is what I was supposed to encourage them. You ready? I want you as my people. I will be your God. I give you my glory. You will know I'm the Lord. That's what he told them. That's pretty good stuff. That's pretty good stuff. And even in the midst of their circumstance, in the midst of their, their, their situation, their circumstance, whatever, I mean, those were all good words. They were comforting words. They were supposed to revive them. And they were supposed to forget their misery. But what was the problem? Circumstance, they were caught up. Circumstance, they were swimming in their own circumstances. They were allowing their situation to dictate the truth and the reality of their life. They were allowing the circumstances around them to dictate to them who they were. And because they were allowing that to happen and because they were allowing their circumstance to overcome even what God was trying to say, they were too taken up in their own troubles they couldn't hear or receive from God. Couldn't do it. Even though God sent people their way. Two awesome people, actually. Moses and Aaron. They're, they're pretty big. They're pretty big time in the Bible. You know, you look at the hierarchy of people. They're up there. Set them. But they were too indulgent of their circumstances. Hear that? Indulgent of their circumstances to hear what God was saying. And that is our part in it. I want you to get that. You have a part in this. You have a part in how you're going to live your life. You have a part in the way you're going to see yourself in the world that you live in. You have a part in, in, in how you're going to react to the circumstances that are around you. You have a part in that. You do. It's not just, you know, always God's just going to break right through every circumstance and find you in some pit of despair and lift you out of it. He may. He may do that. But the way he's going to work most of the time is that somehow, some way, you're going to be alive. You're going to live through it. Whatever your situation is right now, you're going to somehow make it through. You're going to live through it. And if you have an ear to hear, the Holy Spirit's going to encourage you. He's going to revive you. And he's going to instruct you along the way. If you have an ear to hear. He will. And he is right now. He's speaking to you right now if you'll listen to him. He's doing it. If you're not just dismissing what he's saying to you right now, he's speaking to you. Because you never know. There might be a visionary speaking to you right now, someone that, that it, it works in vision and works in somewhere else in the future that's speaking to you 
right now, maybe, maybe, trying to help if you can hear it. Maybe. Maybe a mystic is in your midst trying to tell you something. Maybe. If you can hear it. If you can. But if you indulge discontent, which some of us are prone to do, if you indulge discontent, if you indulge fretfulness, you will deprive yourself of comfort over and over again. And God wants to comfort you. You know, the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. It's a dead giveaway. Like, that's what he does. He's the comforter. Yeah. Yeah. He is the comforter. The Holy Spirit, he, he's, he's working to comfort you. Allow him. Allow him. Find yourself in whatever it is that you're indulging and stop. Stop it. And let him comfort you. Let him. Because he's, he's here to do that. He's in your life to do that. When you accepted Jesus, the Holy Spirit came and took up residence in you. And he's trying to comfort you right now. The comforter is trying to comfort you right now. That's what he's doing. If you'll stop indulging the discontent, if you stop indulging and allowing for the rulership of your circumstances over your life, he is here to help. And he's here to comfort. And so... What about the cross? Now, this, is gonna, this is weird, all right, in a sense, but I want you to follow along with me. What about the cross? You know, the, the Bible talks about that we're to take up our cross daily and follow Jesus. What kind of circumstance is the cross? I just want you to think about this for a second. Just, you know, we've been talking in general terms, all right? You know, we've been talking about life, and this is how life works, and this is where we're at, and this is what happens, and, you know, and, and not, not indulging discontent and all the rest of that kind of stuff. But what's the cross? I'm just asking. And I want you to think about that for a second. What is the cross? The cross is an instrument of death. It was a cruel and unusual instrument of death that the Romans employed to kill criminals and enemies. It was a public spectacle of anguish, is what it was. And people that were hung on a cross died very slowly. Jesus died in three hours, which they considered quickly. Most people took much longer to die on a cross. Baking in the sun, hanging with their body parts nailed onto a piece of wood. That's what the cross is. And so in 
true gospel terms, Jesus, we're to take up our cross daily and follow him. So does that sound like awesome circumstance to you? No, it's really it just, does that sound like an awesome circumstance? No, because it's not. Because there are things in us, parts of us, pieces of us, dark places in us that need to die. They just do. And if we're willing to take up our cross daily, there will be things that come along in our life by God's mercy to mold us, make us, and change us and kill off some parts of us. Willingly, I hope. So we take up a cross of self-sacrifice. We take up a cross that fights selfishness. We take up a cross that keeps us mindful of others. We take up a cross that speaks to us of giving of ourselves to benefit others. We take up a cross that reminds us that somebody paid a penalty so that we can have life. We take up a cross that reminds us, that reminds us that we're not God. And He is. We take up a cross that tells us that we're servants. We take up a cross that tells us that we're sinful. But that we're loved. And so the cross itself, not good circumstance really, if, if you're measuring circumstance by comfort. Because there's some aspects of taking up your cross daily that are uncomfortable. Okay. Okay. And that's just the way it is. But how tough is it to obey when you take up your cross daily, all right? And I want, you don't need to answer that. Just think about it. How tough is it to maintain hope if you're willing to take up your cross daily? And how are those things combined? How are those things connected? All right, so let's look at a few verses. Uh, somebody uh, look at John thirteen seven. I want to start there. Here's a verse, Jesus. And I just want to speak this to you before we look at the rest of these verses. John 13, 7. Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Okay. Now, take that verse and apply it to everything. You do not yet understand what I am doing, but you will. What was he asking for there when he said that? Trust, yeah, faith. Yeah, that's what he was asking for. That's what he's looking for. What else was he looking for? What's the other side of the faith coin? Obedience. Obedience, right. And that goes hand in hand with trust. So you've got trust, faith, and obedience. Because you don't know what I'm doing yet, but you will. And that's just the way life is. 
Like the Israelites, when Moses and Aaron are saying, okay, here's what God's going to do. Well, we don't see that, right, because you don't know what I'm doing yet, but you will. Well, I, I can't see this other thing, right? You're not going to see it, but you know what? You don't know what I'm doing yet, but you will. What's he asking for? Trust, faith, obedience. That's what he's looking for. And that, that little verse there, that little verse in, in John chapter 13, think about that. What he's asking for from his disciples, what's he asking for from you? Well, you don't know what I'm doing yet, but you will. Okay. And the real question is, can you accept that? Will you accept that? Will you accept that you don't know what he's doing yet, but you will? So he's calling you, he's asking you to trust him, to put faith into him, and to obey him through it. That's what he's looking for. And, and so it's a simple question. You willing to do that? You willing to do that? Because you know what? Your circumstances might change. Things may go bad all of a sudden. Things may go good all of a sudden. I don't know where you're at right now. Things may go good all of a sudden. All right. Things may go bad all of a sudden. Well, I don't know what you're doing, God. Nope, but you will. So I'm asking you to trust. I'm asking for your faith. I'm asking you to obey. If you're willing. Things are good. You don't know what he's doing then either. You don't. You think you do. Oh, the Lord is blessing me from my faithful years of service. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. It doesn't really matter though. Because I don't know what he's doing. But I will. I'm okay with that, though. I don't know. I'm okay with that. I don't know what he's doing, but I will. So I'm going to love him or trust him, and I'm going to have faith in him, and I'm going to obey him, all right? That's what I'm going to do. So, so even through that, I, I don't know, but I will, so okay. And I can look back and see times I didn't know, but now I do, just like he said, just like he said right there. I didn't know, but then I did. Right? And looking back, I can see the wisdom in the timing. Looking back, I can see the wisdom in, in what was going on there. Looking back, I can see the lesson that I learned through that and the growth that took place in me as a believer. I can see it. As a disciple, I can see it. I couldn't see it then. Why? Because he's doing stuff I don't know. But then I did. And so I have to look back every now and then. I have to check things out in retrospect in order to understand it's a good thing. To understand that his, his, his call to faith and his call to obedience and his call to trust is a good thing in my life. It's life building and it's life giving to me. But I have to look back in order to see that sometimes. And that's all right. It's all right, because I, I gain trust through that, I gain more faith through that, and I gain more life through that. I just do. Okay, someone look at Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18.
Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I, I could go over what he just says there, but that's what we're saying, right? Can you see that and read that and understand that's what we're saying? Don't lose heart. What does that mean in, in context of what we're talking about tonight? You need to, you need to maintain your hope. You, you can't lose your hope. And that's what, that's what Paul is saying there. He's like, don't lose your heart. Don't lose your hope. That's something you need to maintain, and that's something you need to hold on to, and that's something you need to, to stoke the fire of. That if you just let it go, and, and the circumstances just take over, well, that's how you lose it. And he's careful in these verses to say, yeah, well, circumstances come, but they're temporary. Circumstances come, but they pass. Circumstances come, but they don't have as much weight or meaning as what's going on spiritually in our lives. Because what's going on spiritually in our lives is what's really being built through this. What's going on spiritually in our lives is what's really being grown through this. That's how it works. Don't lose your hope. Don't lose your heart in all of this. God's word is, is solid. Comfort yourself with his word. God's vision is solid. Comfort yourself in that vision. Because you may not know what he's doing right this second, but you will. And so you hold on. And you maintain that hope and you maintain your heart during these things. And whether it's good or it's troublesome or whatever the circumstance is, you maintain your heart through that. To something that matters and something that's eternal. Let's look at Ephesians 2.12. Ephesians 2.12. All right, And what he's reminded them of is that this was, there was a time for them before they were believers that there was no connection that they had with God. And that's what he's reminding them of. And he was reminding them of what that was like to live or try to live without that connection, to try to live without that hope and that vision, to try to live without the, the, the work of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, the encouraging work of the Holy Spirit in their lives, what it was like to be tossed to and fro by their circumstances, to be tossed to and fro by their superstitions. He was reminding them of what that meant. As believers, that should not be so with us. And that's the point of that verse to me. 
Paul was reminding them of what it was like before they knew God, then why are we living like that ever? Ever. Because we don't need to. We don't need to. We have a relationship with the Almighty. We have the Holy Spirit in us and encouraging us. We don't need to live like that. Ever. Never. Never again. Last verse here. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. And the only reason I pulled that verse, and we use that verse for funerals and things like that, but really, I mean, that idea of no hope, that's not us. That's not us. No. That's not, that's not anything to do with us. That's people who don't know God. That's people who don't have a relationship with God. That's people that, that aren't connected to the Holy Spirit. That's people that don't know Jesus. That's who they are. That's not us. That's never us. So I want to encourage you that we have a hope that's in us, that God puts in us, in his relationship with us, in, in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' life in us. There's a hope in us. And it's just there. And you may not be tapping into it, but it's there. Ready, waiting. And what we need to do is not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't lose your courage. Don't lose your hope. Don't lose your heart. Regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the situation, regardless of what's going on around us, don't lose your heart. So I'll take a few moments, because some of us, you know, we may just be kind of out of breath, and we may have been for a little while. These things ought not be so. And I think God can rectify that, and I believe he will. I believe God sends to us those that will speak to us. They'll speak a word of hope. They'll speak a word of vision. They'll speak a word of life into us. I pray that we have ears to hear and we're not deaf to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us tonight. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. And I pray that there would be some words that were spoken tonight that would revive us and encourage us. I pray there would be some words tonight that would activate faith and hope in us. I ask you, God, that even the words that, that Moses spoke to the people, and, and God speaking over them, I want you as my people. I, I'll be your God. I'll give you my glory. You'll know that I'm the Lord. I pray that even as those words were spoken over these people, that... They're being spoken over us. 
And they reflect a God who loves us and a God who cares for us and a God who's looking out for us and a God who wants the best for us, regardless of our present circumstance. Because Jesus said, thank you that tonight we don't know exactly what you're doing. We just don't, but we will. And I pray, Father, that uh, we would answer your call toward faith and trust and obedience in our life. Even if we don't know what's going on, we will. Even if we are in some situations now we'd rather not be in, God, you're there with us. Thank you, God, that there's vision out of it. There's vision for more tomorrow. There's vision for more the next day and more the next week, the next month, and the next year. And I thank you, you got it. You got us. And so, God, I just ask you that our vision would expand beyond just the, the moment that we could begin to see things in a bigger picture and in a bigger way your hand and your purposes and your life and our growth and the supernatural work that you're doing in us God I pray that we would not only begin to see more of that but we would actively participate in it to your glory and your honor I pray that you teach us what it means not to live as victims of circumstance. I pray you teach us what it means not to live as just a bystander in the circumstances of life. But you teach us what it means to really activate a faith and activate a vision. Activate, Lord God, uh, just a, a work in our life that would challenge the status quo that would challenge the things that are around us, it would challenge the circumstances that we're facing instead of just riding along like on a wave or something. I pray faith and I pray hope to be activated in us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And so if we need to swim against a current, we do it. If we need to walk on the water, we do it. If we, if we need to, to, to do something else, whatever it is, that we just do it, we'd follow you, we'd hear you, and we would respond to your voice in our life. So God, hope, faith, obedience, trust. You have words of life for us tonight. I pray we take hold of them and we hang on to them in the hours in the days, the weeks, and the months ahead. Thank you for life. Thank you for life, God. We give you honor and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.